Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts. Apparently, Brian Christopherson's on the show, but I won't be speaking to him today. Brunts, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. This is odd. Mom and dad are fighting. I, 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 we've seen this before. I don't, I don't know who's talking. Someone tried to say something, but I'm just going to cut them off. Is that why you guys are I, fighting? I'm not <laughs> oh, fighting you're going to cut them off, too? <laughs> Let's just keep I'm cutting not, them off. I'm not fighting with anyone. Apparently, there's some sort of contest going on that Schaefer and I are, are competing against each other, and it's tight. I believe he's ahead, and uh, that's what this is about. I, I thought we only didn't talk when Twins and Indians were playing, and that was it. Well, you guys, yeah, I got to be honest. Oh, go ahead. You guys both talk when Twins and Indians play. You guys are doing the exact same thing now that you do then. Is You downplay your own squad and try to puff up the other school. You guys are like self-haters. What, you want us to each make a campaign for why we should have been voted for? Because by the time this airs, I think the – Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think you should di- – I'll give you each 30 seconds to make the case for either why you believe that you should be voted for or why uh, the other guy should be voted for. Okay, right. I'll start. Schaefer, you go. I don't think I need the full 30 seconds. It's called the online region, and Brian first started using the internet about three years ago when he joined 24-7 Sports. So I feel like my vast internet (laughs) experience supersedes Brian's basic history. Um, You know, the idea of mobile was new to him, you know, last year. Uh, He's he's just – if you're voting for Brian to win the online region – you're essentially voting for a, a technology ludite. <laughs> Man, it's harsh. <laughs> this, this turned into a roast. Jeez. I don't. I don't. Well, yeah. you gotta, Yeah, I thought he was go gonna negative. be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no one. No one's a positive like your, campaign anymore. You just gotta attack the. I don't other like guy. your negative attack. I don't like your negative attack ads. Um, uh, Brian, thirty seconds okay. go. I maintain a very clean house, um, so that's one thing. I'm a very, actually, surprisingly good cook. I do know some things about the online world. I was able to buy a car in a tough situation during a pandemic, which shows some, um, which shows some grit and guts and stupidity, maybe, to go out there, but I got it done. And so uh, I think those are all traits as to why you should vote for me. I was a little annoyed, too, that I wasn't in the writer region. Because that sounds like all very, like, you know, like, oh, look at me. I'm, like, hanging out with uh, William Faulkner and stuff. But I, I, I am where I am, and I, I, I think I deserve the vote. I, I think I do. So I actually – Sorry. I, I would have voted for, for Bruns, actually. Bruns should have won this. Agreed. He's a – He's a stable – he would be a stable guy, and we would be like his – like on West Wing, we'd be kind of like the people who have some – we maybe have a, some snappy dialogue here and there while we're walking, but we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be in President Bartlett's chair. So would you say that you're, you're uh, Sam Seaborn and I'm Toby Ziegler? Is that fair? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> He's either Josh Lyman or President Bartlett, whichever one you want to go with there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I wish I wish well to Schaefer in the contest. Uh, I I think it's going to be a toss up, and 
I'll, I'll put my support like a party does behind whoever, you know, whoever wins, obviously myself, but if Schaefer wins, I'll, I'll, I'll go with him. So well, I, I looked, I looked to see who is currently winning. Um, yeah. Which means he voted. I, I did. Um, I voted, I voted once with the 24 seven sports account and once with my own. Oh. So I split the vote. <laughs> uh, Are you down? Yeah. So currently five hours left in the voting. Uh, I will not say who's winning because I don't want to affect any votes, but um, it's, it's close. It's really this close. This isn't going to be up by the time it's over. I will edit it quickly and get it up. Okay. Well, now I feel bad because I didn't think it was going to actually be up, and then I went on a negative campaign about Brian expecting that it was going to be over. That might hurt you on the West Coast. Though I would like to point out Brian saying that he maintains a clean house and cooks well basically implies that I do am a slob and only get takeout. So Brian mentioned something in his spiel about purchasing a car in a pandemic. Uh, what, what'd you end up with, Brian? I got the, uh, I got a Toyota RAV4. Uh, I, I was calling it the Rav, uh, to the, the woman who was selling it to me, but I guess it's a RAV. Um, I kind of like Rav better, but it's a blue car, kind of shiny. I sent you the picture, 2018, it had about 22,000 miles. So, uh, I stuck with the Toyota brand, although there were some very good competitors. I don't want to get into like, brand competition because some people get too fired up about it but i i think this this vehicle is going to last me until nebraska plays arizona in what 2032 or whenever that is that's my that's my goal yeah so did you did they get you on the undercoating um they they did not uh they i don't think they dinged me very good I, i think they wanted to sell a car and I needed to get a car and we didn't screw around too much. And it was just like, all right, let's, let's do that. We didn't handshake though. Uh, we just did a, like a kind of a elbow bump uh, after the deal was complete. Got it. All right. Well, that'll, that'll hopefully satisfy the masses who are asking how, what you ended up with and how it went. So I'm just excited. He stayed in the Toyota family. I mean, I, I know that uh, BC had a lot of consternation about having to, to have a different vehicle and, and knowing a different, you know, make and model. And so for at least to be a Toyota, it's, it's going to be a, a familiar transition for him. He's loyal. That's the other thing. He's a loyal guy. Have you, no, I do uh, not like change. I don't like change. You guys know that. So you've, you've now have this car, right? I do. Have you, because everybody's having to work from home or basically kind of homebound, have you been slowly driving up and down your neighborhood just kind of waving to people, letting them know, hey, I got a new car. No, but I did take it out to uh, Branched Oak Lake just for fun the other day. I, 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 just, <laughs> I just drove it. I got out. I walked around for a few minutes, got some fresh air. Nobody was around me. It was very safe. And I uh, got back in my car and went back home. So I, I actually did that. Yeah. Right. So not a, not a neighborhood parade. But no, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done that. No. The first lake trip for the car. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen the movie Nebraska? Yes. Yeah. So basically what I wanted was for BC to drive through his neighborhood like Woody drives a truck that he uh, that his son oh, yeah. buys for him so he feels like a winner in their town. Yeah. That's, that's what I wanted there. Good movie. It is a good movie. It's a very good movie. 
All right. Well, should we transition from Nebraska, the movie, to Nebraska sports? Yes. Yeah. How about Nebraska football specifically? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, one of the topics of conversation, and BC has, has spurred several conversations this week with some topics that he's had about who might lead the team in sacks and receiving and, and all of that stuff. But one of them that I thought was pretty good is which upperclassman makes the jump and that could be however I think anybody really wanted to interpret it, right? Like makes a jump from non-contributor to contributor or makes a jump from, you know, solid to good. Uh, how, how did you guys interpret that? Uh, I looked at it like which guy, you know, that has maybe played a little bit is going to take on a much bigger role um, than what he's had previously. Um, you know, I think you could you could read it where a guy like Adrian Martinez would certainly be probably your number one option there, but uh, kind of that that guy that that's going to be a little bit more than a role player. And I went with uh, should I say who I went with or who I yeah okay go ahead. I, I went with Damian Daniels. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy who we've seen in, in fits and starts. He's made one start during his Nebraska career, played in all 24 games that he's been eligible to play in. But because of conditioning, because of depth chart or whatever, hasn't really uh, been able to step in and, you know, kind of be that guy at the nose tackle spot. And I think even though Nebraska is probably going to have a, a pretty healthy rotation of guys going through there, I think he's kind of that veteran presence in the middle that kind of needs to – step up for Nebraska. That's who I went with. So uh, I, I chose Snacks, which is his nickname in the defensive line room. Um, so, yeah, Snack, Snacks is my guy. Are we going to try to make an effort to refer to him as, as Snacks Daniels from now on? It's going to be hard not to. Brian, I love sorry, his nickname. No, I love his, I love his nickname. Um, if a guy's working on uh, conditioning, though, like he is, maybe you should give him some, a different nickname, I think, for a while, the guys over there. Um, that's, not, that's not very conducive to what he's trying to do. But Adrian Martinez probably would have run away with this vote because he's the quarterback and everybody would have got into that if he had been on the list. That's also why I didn't put him on the list because I kind of wanted to get away from the whole QB thing. And uh, Brunts brings up a good one in, in Damian Daniels because I think he's got great potential. I went with another D lineman who I kind of view in the same category. And I know you guys loved as a recruit coming out. I think he was your top guy in the super yep. six that year. And that's Deontre Thomas. Uh, just because, you know, Deontre Thomas, he, I think he's more in that six, three mold of a D lineman. So he's more kind of a, a little bit Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis size, as far as his, his frame, as opposed to some of these six, five, six, six guys they're bringing in. But if you've listened to coaches talk about him, and even Tony Tuioti last August, um, he made that comparison. He wasn't saying he's going to be Aaron Donald, but he said he's got some of those traits and how he gets leveraged and some of the tools that could make him effective, like an Aaron Donald type of guy on the defensive line. And I really thought when he said that, I was like, okay, this is the season DeAndre Thomas just bust out, and we see him in a big way. Much to my surprise, it was not. He ended up with 19 tackles, but he was sort of in the background behind the other guys. Um, I think this year, though, with the Davis twins gone and uh, Darian Daniels gone, DeAndre Thomas gets 
gets a lot more reps and starts to be that guy we've always sort of thought he could be. Yeah, I, I like DeAndre Thomas a lot. I, I thought that that would be one of the picks, and so I wanted to go a different way with it. But before I reveal mine, also a defensive player, I felt like every option on this, save for one, would have been on the defensive side of the ball, just with the way that things are. But the only guy on offense that I thought of including, and, and I viewed it I viewed it as, uh, you know, guys that could go from one level of where they're playing to making a big jump in their production. And so one guy that I thought of, you know, Brandon Hymas is someone that I think the staff really thinks could be an all-conference offensive lineman if he just puts it together and plays the way that he's finished seasons the last couple of years. He's got off to slow starts each of 2018, 2019. If he comes out and has a really nice start to 2020 and Nebraska is able to effectively run the ball with Mills and everything else, I think Hymas could be someone that we're talking about as having a really strong finish to – to his career, and I know he's a multi-year starter, so it's you don't think about him the same way you do a DeAndre Thomas or even a Damian Daniels, but uh, it's just Nebraska needs those guys that have been playing to make jumps from where they were at as juniors to being even better as seniors, and I do think that's one of the things that Nebraska, sometimes it, it hasn't felt like guys have, have advanced past certain levels. It's like they get to a a level and they just kind of there for the final two years of their career. And so I, I think they need that sort of uh, development as well. And with that being said, that's why I went with Will Honus, who had a really nice year last year. And I don't know if, if people would have necessarily thought that um, without looking up the numbers, but he had 73 tackles second on the team. Uh, he had a great game against Wisconsin. He played really well in the month of November. I distinctly remember a conversation with Barrett Rude in November where he talked about how Throughout the year, Honus has been their most consistent, most dependable inside linebacker. He doesn't worry about, you know, Will knowing where he needs to be or doing what he needs to do. That being said, one of the things that makes Honus really interesting is that his junior college coach talked about how Will really needed that first year in junior college to get comfortable, and then he exploded in the second year. And he felt like the, the four games and early into his junior year were kind of like that first year at junior college and then he got progressively better at the back half of his junior year does he have that kind of explosion that made him a really sought after inside linebacker you know he had a really strong second year with Butler and I think that you know he could do that at Nebraska I I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's going to have like 120 tackles or anything like that but I, I think that he could I mean I just think that they need someone whether it's Colin Miller or Will Honus to really up the level of game. And, and I, between the two of them, I went with Honus. I think Miller might flash a little bit more, but I, I think internally Nebraska has been pretty happy with what they got out of Honus at the end of the year and excited about where he could go going forward. Going back to, to BC's pick of DeAndre Thomas, he, he was a guy that I considered as well. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, he was a guy that I think out of high school we were really high on. And part of that was because he was recruited to play in a 4-3. Um, so I I kind of wonder, you know, where he – if he can have kind of a Khalil Davis-type finish to his career, I guess, because he would seem to have all the physical tools. He was a guy that was – what was he, like 270 or something, trying to play nose when, when he was a – or defensive tackle at least when he was a freshman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think if, if he – if he can kind of make that next step, 
I would feel a heck of a lot better about that defensive line than I do right now. And he's a guy, though, that is among that group of six that Tony Tuioti feels really good about, would play him right now if he had to, if there were football being played. But I think he's kind of the key to that group because I, I feel like Jordan Riley is going to be good. I, I think that Ty Robinson is going to kind of hit the ground running uh, in the middle. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to step up and give him some snaps at, at those end spots. And I, DeAndre Thomas, too, is an explosive kid. I mean, may, maybe he becomes a bit of a, uh, a factor in, in the pass rush, too, which that was another question we asked on the site was who, gonna, who was going to lead the team in sacks. And it was kind of a – I mean, everybody had answers, but it was a bit of a collective shoulder shrug a little bit. I think Schaefer hit on a good point, though, about – guys in this program over the last I don't know how many years sort of just stopping in place it Mm -hmm. feels like like after their sophomore junior year that's why this question is so interesting to me we always get obsessed for fair reason with the new guys and the which redshirt freshman is going to break out and all that stuff and those are fun topics but for this program to immediately make that move and get to a bowl game and all this stuff, it's going to come down to the guys we're talking about. And I think when, like when Schaefer brought up Brendan Hymas, Hymas is a great example because I feel like he sometimes when people talk about him, he suffers from uh, like Nick Gates syndrome where people are still like focused on like the career of some guys before him, like, like a Gates who I think kind of got to a certain point, maybe by his sophomore or junior year. And then maybe it kind of, stayed level in the opinion of many people and I feel like when people talk about Hymas and maybe even Matt Farniok to some degree there's a little bit of that going like well we know everything there is to know about this guy and that's what Nebraska football has to break through and get beyond is where we think we have a player all figured out three years into his time in the program and where we're actually excited like no he's going to be much better every year and uh, by the time he's a senior, he can be pretty special. So that's that's going to be the key as much as anything uh, to this thing really getting off and flying. Hymas is interesting. You bring him up. Um, I was surprised when, when Greg Austin was talking to the media back when spring ball started that he mentioned without being prompted that Hymas that, that Hymas made the decision to come back. And kind of pressed him on it a little bit you know it it wasn't a transfer thing um you know it it was a you know in terms of NFL type uh things and he didn't officially request a a grade from the draft board or anything like that but I, I think uh I mean I would put myself in that category a little bit where yeah I was a little bit surprised um that he said that I mean Hymas has been very good for Nebraska, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say that he's a, you know, a, I, I guess I wouldn't think of him that way. And I was a little surprised that, uh, you know, Greg Austin spoke about him the way that he did in terms of, yeah, like this was a guy that, you know, really had a decision to make there. Whereas I was kind of thinking, well, you know, he, he's been good, but you know, that good. I, I don't know. He's also young. I yeah. mean, but by an old lineman standards, cause he didn't red shirt. So, I mean, most guys, uh, who come out as linemen, Malik Collins was a rare exception as a defensive lineman. I don't think he redshirted either and came out early, but that's – you don't see that often. Yeah. I I like this a lot. I like, um, like the potential of that offensive line. I mean, we could fill the entire podcast just talking about that offensive line, and I'm sure we will. We will. 
something. <laughs> Is there, um, were there any other guys that you you two strongly considered uh, for this? Do you think Browns? Yeah, I mean, I think one one guy that maybe doesn't get the respect that, that he probably deserves, I think, in, in terms of how the staff views him is Markel Dismuke. He was one guy that I considered. But at the same time, I mean, he, he was a, a stalwart for him last year, started a lot. I mean, I, I don't know what his next, next step, level, what his next step would be. Um, you know, Travis Vokalek is an obvious one, but he really wasn't around last year. So we, and we, we excluded him, right? Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, to, to me, it was, you know, primarily on the defensive side of the ball where, um, you know, the, the bulk of, of the, the options would come from. This is also why I think the defense is going to be solid when they play their next game. I mean, I just they're, – they're veteran. They've got guys that have played. They've got guys that have been a 3-4 now for three seasons. They've got guys that were recruited to be in a 3-4. I mean, sure, you still have your DeAndre Thomases that he's kind of found himself in no man's land, but he's been in that position for two years now. And like the Davis twins, I mean, he's got a similar size frame, similar motor – I, I think DeAndre Thomas can absolutely have the season that Khalil Davis did. I really do. And um, that's why I'm higher on this defense than a lot of other people are. I, I think that they've got guys that are capable of playing better than what we've seen that are still developing and still young and we're still getting reps the first time. I mean, I think Brian would have to say Caleb Tanner there is somebody else yeah. uh, that could that could fit in that mold. Um, I just uh, – feel free to accuse me of drinking Kool-Aid all you want. I still think they're probably going to be a six or seven win team, but I, I think their defense is going to take another step after being a top 60 defense last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in the top 40 or top 45 in 2020 against a very tough schedule, but that I just think they're going to be good. Now good's hard. Good's a wrong word to use. I think they're going to be better than they were last year which was better than they were in 2018, which was so much better than they were in 2017. If they're a top 45 defense, or, or you, you still think they're 6-6? Six and six? Well, I still have tons of questions. I have more questions on offense than I do on defense, don't you? Who the hell are they throwing to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the offense is going to be okay. I mean, I guess to me the thing is, you know, if they can get the run, get the run under control. On, on defense. I think that they've got a chance in those last five games to certainly be comp- very competitive and, and, and more than that, actually, you know, win a game or two there. Like that, that to me is the biggest thing is if you can get that yards per carry number, you know, down a half yard or three quarters of a yard or whatever. I mean, it, it, that to me has just been the biggest thing for this defense and why they struggled the last few years is they just cannot stop the run. Yeah, it's all about the second level to me on the defense. And I was going to say Caleb Tanner, by the way, because he's actually running away with the vote in that uh, question. Um, so there's just a lot of hope that this is the year that he uh, he takes off. But that's that's the level of the defense where I just kind of am like, you got to show it to me. And, and I'm talking not about just inside linebacker, but outside backer. Who wins that job opposite of JoJo Doman? And can JoJo Doman, um, as Eric Chenander said, 
you know, last month. He's a great freelancer. He's kind of a ball hawk, but he's got to uh, be more consistent in some things he does within the scheme. And so he's got to take a step up. So that, that second level is the only thing that really gives me pause because I actually, one thing I will drink the Kool-Aid on after listening to Tuioti and Chenander is I don't think the D-line is necessarily going to take a step back. In mm-hmm. fact, I think, I think they're going to be as good, if not a little bit better. And that's a, bold, a little bit bold because there are three experienced guys they're letting go of. But I just think they've got enough bodies there and enough size now that they should be able to hold up okay. Agreed. All right, should we, should we quickly talk some basketball? Nebraska picked up what I think to be maybe one of the best transfer additions they've ever landed in a two-year starter. And Trey McGowan's played for Pitt, uh, committed on Saturday to play for Nebraska, very, very likely to be a sit-out guy in the 2020-2021 season for Nebraska basketball. Brunts, what do you make of this addition? And, and – what does this tell you about how Fred Hoiberg can, can accumulate talent, even though Nebraska won seven games last year? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's plenty of minutes to go around. Uh, I know that much. And, you know, it's – you know, I, I still think the reputation that Fred Hoiberg has is, is very, very strong. Um, you know, the, the NBA experience, that matters to guys. Um, you know, the fact that they had a lot of success at Iowa State with a similar blueprint, I think that is attractive to guys. And, and frankly, you know, the, the offense is such a big part of it to me too. I mean, you take a guy like Trey McGowan's who started for two years at Pitt, was kind of an off guard. Um, Pitt wasn't exactly, uh, you know, flying up and down the floor um, during his two years there in terms of, uh, pace and, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, you, you go into the portal, you find a guy that's looking for a little bit of a different opportunity and you say, Hey, we're going to play up tempo basketball. You know, you sit out for a year, you're going to be uh, our guy at the point and, and run the show. I mean, I think that's a pretty attractive thing. And, and I think that was, you know, what the selling point was for Trey McGowan. So, you know, they're going to apply for the waiver. I mean, I think it's almost a formality in college basketball now that you do that. Who knows what the when the ruling's going to come down on the one-time transfer thing. But uh, it's a huge get, another experienced guy that they're bringing in. I mean, I, I know that there's probably some hand-wringing on the part of some Husker fans that this roster is going to be completely different again for the second year. But you look at the guys that they're bringing in, uh, pretty much every guy that, that's coming in in this recruiting class has played high major basketball prior to coming to Nebraska. You could add that to the three guys who were sitting out last season who also uh, are pretty darn good players. Um, you know, you, you have a pretty experienced team, even though they haven't played a lot of basketball together in a Nebraska uniform. That's why it's, you know, a, a big thing. And, and it just gives you even more backcourt depth as well. I think – I just think Fred Hoiberg's NBA background and uh, the fact that he played in the league, he coached in the league, I think that's a huge deal. And I know sometimes that gets overcooked on certain things. I think it does sometimes with football and uh, some of the discussions about sending guys to the league. I think most of these guys who are transferring are thinking about, you know, if I have a good year or two in a system that – is uh prepares me for pro level basketball that's all i'm really looking for and uh he's got a great um salesman um in his assistant coach you know um coach a uh i didn't want to say it 
Matt uh, Abdomassa. Yeah, I always struggle with it. Um, but, I mean, I just think he, he is such a go-getter, and it's being proven in just how quickly he gets on top of guys. And uh, he has a way of connecting to them. I mean, Kobe Webster, when he was committed, said, yeah, you, you hear from him all every day. I mean, he's just the first guy in there, uh, and then he's the guy who's constantly talking to you. And, uh, the, you know, when you have a guy like that recruiting for you, I think you're going to see uh, the fruits of that uh, pretty quickly. All right. We are going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to get the wheel out and see what it has for us next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. Brunt, uh, did you get the wheel out? The wheel never goes away. It's, it's, uh, it's ready for Tuesday, always. Tuesday wheel spin. You just leave it in the same spot and always do the podcast from the same spot? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I spun it just now. It's going. Um, so, uh, so we, we never said, by the way, we, we had, you'd, you'd basically challenge people to guess what my jersey was from last year or last week. I fielded some uh, some good guesses, but nobody got it right, at least to the, to the people that uh, I was talking to. Is this a wheel topic? No, uh, the wheel's spinning now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's your jersey, so you should reveal it. But it, it I guess – I'm disappointed. I wanted someone to randomly be like, well, clearly it's blank. And yeah. Like, All right, well, I'm buying you a subscription. But it, it, was, uh, it, it was an authentic San Francisco Seals jersey from the, uh, from the old Pacific Coast League. So there were, there were a few San Francisco guesses, but not the Seals. So mm. – uh, there. oh, it stopped. Um, okay. All right. So long – yeah, I really gave it a, a good a good tug there. Um, all right, so this week's topic, if I can find it, if I can read it. <laughs> if you can find it, isn't it where the, you know, the dial is? I don't know. It was engraved many years ago, so it's hard to read. Yeah, so uh, it, it, I guess in light of uh, the, the high holiday coming up, um, Favorite Nebraska comebacks. 
Um, Schaefer, this was your topic. Um, favorite Nebraska comeback in any sport? Are we talking games or are we talking guys that started up not so great and came back? What, what was the, the feeling behind this uh, topic? Well, the the topic was made in the spirit of the holiday season, uh, right? You know, with great comebacks, and so I uh, I think I will let you know people go however they want with it. Um, there's there's you know a number of different ways that that you can go. You can go with games. You can go season seasons that were on the brink and turned around. Uh, you can go all sorts of ways with it. So. Um, you guys, you want me to start? Because we'll just get the we, – we talk about this game basically every other podcast, so we can just get it out of the way. Okay. 2012 Michigan State ranks up there as one of my favorite Nebraska comebacks of recent years. So they, uh, they had to rally late. It was improbable. It included Taylor Martinez having to be, you know, a weapon in the passing game, which is always a little bit dangerous. It included Jamal Turner catching a touchdown and uh, me being right there and almost getting run over. Um, you know, it, it ranks very highly in terms of comebacks for me. I'm trying to think of other sports. Obviously, this question was kind of prompted, if I'm being honest, by uh, Nebraska baseball against Rice coming back to, to win the Super Regional and putting themselves in their first CWS. Uh, and so I was, I was trying to think of other games that stand out to me, at least in terms of comebacks. I watched Nebraska once rally real heavy against Wichita State in the ninth inning. I can't remember how many runs it is. I'm going to look it up right now. But that was like a Gene – you guys remember Gene Stevenson? I think that was his name. He was the coach there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was against him, and he was very unhappy in postgame. Um, but I will uh, – I'll look that up. Are there, are there other comebacks that you guys are, are thinking of? So I'll, I'll give you two. I can give you a basketball one. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead, Brian. Um. Basketball, when I was a kid, uh, the 1990-91 Nebraska season, which was the year they were the three seed, their first tournament team under Danny Nee, um, they were playing in the first round of the Big 8 tournament at Kemper Arena against Oklahoma, and they fell behind by double digits. And they were behind – I would I like to remember it as they were behind by like 12 points with like two and a half minutes left. And they kept fouling, and they were running out of players. There's like six or seven guys they had left available by the end of the game. And that's a game where Keith Moody came down after a missed free throw or something, hits a three as time expires to send it to overtime, and they won 117-113 to 113 in overtime, I believe was the score. Uh, but they rallied from double digits down inside the under-four timeout, and uh, it was a pretty amazing – like everything had to go right for them to pull it out. Okay. I, I, I was thinking about this question and I took it two ways. One, a, a guy who maybe had not a great start to his career, but really kind of made himself into a, a pretty you know serviceable player. I think Tran Petaway is probably one of the better stories that's happened at Nebraska in the last decade. It, it's, and, and part of that is you've got this guy who was at Texas Tech, uh, averaged – what was it? Uh, let's see. 3.1 points a game as a freshman. Uh, kind of had a bad reputation for getting in that dust up um, on national TV. Comes to Nebraska, sits out a year, and just comes out going gangbusters for two seasons. And 
I think that's probably like the the one of the guys to me where you're like that guy really like took an opportunity and just like absolutely crushed it out of the park. So I'll go with Petaway. And I I was thinking the the game comeback. Nebraska wasn't actually trailing, but it sure as hell felt like they were. Nebraska McNeese State in 2014 with Amir Abdullah's uh, fantastic play to uh, win that game. They they were tied after uh, McNeese scored 10 straight uh, early in the fourth quarter, but that 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 had the feeling of like uh, okay, the ship's going down here if uh, they don't pull that out. So I, I will uh, I will consider that a comeback, even though technically it was not. What else you got? I'd say, I mean, give, give me a football one. Okay, I mean, the 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 biggest one's obviously the '95 Orange Bowl. You're down seventeen to nine uh, in the fourth quarter, and and you rally. Uh, you know, you know, if they had tied that game seventeen seventeen, they probably don't win the national title. So even after they tied it, they had to get the stop and then put together another drive and win the thing. So I would put that one at the top of the list. More modern. You know, the Ohio State game in uh, 2011, it wasn't a great Ohio State team. It was the fickle team where they were, what, six and six and all that. But uh, Joe Bowserman. Yeah. Yeah, that helped the cause. Uh, But it produced uh, a lot of things. It produced the greatest comeback in the fourth quarter by a Nebraska team. Rex Burkhead made that that move where he shook the guy out of his shoes and scored on the 30-yard touchdown. And you talk about loud moments in the stadium, which I'm sure we can – have another podcast at some time to fill this this time uh that was one of them where that when he made that move on that guy and left him there and everybody in the stadium realized at the same time oh he's gone and this game's tied that place lost it collectively at the same time went went ape ape about it um so i would say (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to say it i didn't know i couldn't say the full word um but uh, that game uh, in particular, and then, of course, uh, Bo Pelini apparently had some things to say in the hallway afterward that would later become part of Nebraska football history, too. Rex Burke had that game, 26 <laughs> carries for 119 yards and a touchdown, five catches, 59 yards, and another touchdown. Like, that's uh, that, that was probably Rex at his best, right? He was great. Yeah. And there, there was a play where they ran a toss sweep to him like when they're kind of mounting the comeback and they've got momentum and the rain started coming down and he gets about 15 yards and Ohio state's just spent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they got a lot of four-star guys who are just like, they're done dealing. And that was uh, one of the cooler plays I always think of because the rain was coming down and Rex is just ripping off yards. And yeah, he was special in that game. Do you guys know what Bowserman's number, what, what his line was in that game? One of 10, wasn't it? One of 10 for 13 yards and a pick. The QBR was a uh, 4.9. The the and <laughs> chart ranks up there as like one of the greatest troll jobs ever uh, as it relates to Nebraska football, like the, the completion and completion chart. There was a run of like blue blood programs that came into Lincoln for a while and played some really forgettable quarterbacks. Who was the kid, the kid from Michigan that they had to put in the game when Desmond uh, Robinson got hurt? Russell, Russell Bellamy. That's That's right. Yeah. Russell Uh, Greer. Yeah. Um, You you guys, you guys want another quick topic? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, It was a quick spin there. Uh, So Indomitian Sioux was named to the 
NFL's all-decade team. Uh, he played the entire decade uh, in the NFL, still playing. Isn't Dominican Sue a Hall of Famer? He will be. So you, you blipped out there. I, I think he will be, yes. I mean, I, it's hard because defensive tackles, there's no, like, round numbers that you're going to be able to – to just be like, oh, well, he needs this amount of sacks and he needs this and he needs that. I mean, he's an incredibly dominant player with the Lions. He didn't have the greatest tenure at times with the Dolphins, but you really – you can pinpoint some games and just see him absolutely destroy offensive lines without a ton of help around him at times. I mean, I, I think that he will go down as a very, very, very good defensive lineman that it might take a little while. Like, I don't think he's a surefire slam dunk Hall of Famer. But I think that you'll get enough of the people who remember what he did at his apex. And he's still good. He was, he was really good last year. And the other thing about Sue is that he's, he's transformed himself from where he used to be a pass-rushing defensive tackle threat. And now he's one of the better defensive linemen against the run in the country. And so um, he's done a really nice job adjusting as he's aged. And – He's doing this sort of thing that makes it, I think, harder to get in the Hall of Fame because he's not going to be claimed by any one fan base. But this individual contract thing is is really sort of interesting. And so, um, you know, he's played in the Super Bowl. He obviously lost with the Rams. Um, hasn't spent a lot of time in the playoffs, but been a really, really good player. And I, it's interesting because I think around here some people have been like, oh, well, his career didn't end up being as good as you think. And it's like, well, go look at his numbers. Like, they're – they're pretty darn impressive. He also um, – the, the point about kind of how much he's won or not won is interesting because I think he's been – he's played in six career playoff games. Um, and, you know, he was with the Rams when they kind of had their run. But, I mean, you look at his numbers, he's been extremely um, reliable. Um, I, I don't know that he's – trying to find his stats he's I mean, never missed a game because of injury he missed two games in 2011 because he stepped on some crappy Packers arm <laughs> uh, yeah I mean like he's and at a position that's you know that that asks a lot of him and I, I think you've seen how productive he can still be I mean Tampa had the number one rush rushing defense in, in the NFL last year in large part because of his ability to yep. mm-hmm. handle double teams so um, 58 and a half career sacks right now, 36, uh, passes defended 520 tackles. I mean, it's, it, it's def- defensive tackles. I, I, there's not that many in the hall of fame, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I agree with Schaefer. I think it's going to take a while, but I think that he's a guy that's going to get a real long look, uh, once he's done. I think he'll get in. Uh, you guys all made the good points on it. I'll just take that topic and go with one more Husker who I think should be in uh, and hasn't gotten in, and that's Roger Craig. Um, and I think he's been snubbed. Um, obviously part of the great 49er teams. Um, if you look, he was the first player ever to have more than a 1,000 th- yards rushing and a 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. He sort of was a new template of running back before you know now Marshall Falk and those guys Christian McCaffrey that would come on the scene that we know now Roger Craig was like the first of those guys and how they used him out of the backfield and uh, I think if you look at the numbers and I've done it for a few stories over the years 
uh, he got screwed. He got screwed because people don't know, didn't know how to process his numbers within the numbers of the other running backs of his era. And uh, I think it's unfortunate that he hasn't got in. I would just like to point out that there was once a time in 2010 when Sue attempted a extra point, but he did not make it. That's like the, uh, the Sam Cook stat that he's six for six passing in his career. (laughs) (laughs) He won't make a, a hall of fame, but he's actually a really, really good punter. Like a high, high level punter, which doesn't, It's not going to excite anybody, but, um, you know, there's a select group of guys in the NFL that have his ability, and he's been doing it for a while. Yeah, he's made a lot of money doing it, too. He just signed another uh, another two-year extension. We'd have taken him in Minnesota, right, BC? Uh, Yeah, Uh, Vikings punting uh, has left something to be desired. I'd, I'd take Sam Cook. I like I like Sam Cooks of all. I, I like Sam Cook the punter, and I like Sam Cook the musician. So uh, I like both. All right. Well, do you want to sing? A change going to come right. as we uh, as we take <laughs> off here. This will earn you some votes if you sing. I'll vote for you right now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing. A change going to come. That song's a little too spiritual and has too much meaning for me to destroy it. I think maybe it's like one of the. Two... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> It's uh, okay. That song when it's used in the movie, the Malcolm X movie, though, that is incredible. If you want to talk about great cinema, that how that's put together, that particular part of the movie. Uh, but we won't get all into that. But I would sing more like a easygoing song. Like I'm not gonna sing it, but I'm thinking like Cupid, draw back your bow. Can, Don't let that arrow go. Brunts, can we do a wheel one day where it's just a song that Brian has to sing to lead us out of the podcast. Cupid, yeah. draw back your It's, it's going to be terrible whenever uh, he has to sing We Didn't Start the Fire. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then we see him pull out the little the little stand that the, the people that do this professionally use that they, they can put their phone up and it'll give them all the, the lyrics and the musical notes. And yeah. This is what BC does. He moonlights. I'd bust out He's a, a singer-songwriter. I best sell a little harmonica where I play the note to get it going. You do a little blues traveler too? (laughs) Yeah. I could could work on it. All right. All right. Well, I think that's everything for us here at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out the website. Got plenty of stuff up there. A lot of happening in recruiting. We didn't talk about that much today, but Nebraska made roughly 87 offers yesterday. So we'll have a chance to wade through some of those. And they've got guys – Loading up official visits. So we'll get into that more on Thursday when we come back with another podcast here with Husker 24 7. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.